to God's word again. Let's come again to God in prayer. Let's pray. Merciful God, we know that if we uh, ask that which is in line of your will, you you will answer, Lord. You will answer even more more abundantly than what we can even ask or think. And Lord, we come with a simple request, with a, a straightforward request that you, Lord, you will please speak to us as we've just sung. We pray that you would speak to us, speak to our hearts, speak to us in our various uh, situations, speak to us in our various contexts, in our various uh, weeks that we'll be going into. Lord, give us something in this very moment that we would be able to take forward um, that would empower us as we uh, continue on pilgriming um, on this side of eternity. Uh, speak to us, Lord. Speak through me. Um, there's nothing of profit that I can give to anybody here. Lord, I, I, I really need you to speak through me. I really need you to, to empower me, to encourage me, so that in so doing, I can encourage your people here. Lord, we pray that God and uh, Jesus Christ and him alone will be glorified. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name again. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to speak to us on the topic of fear. Um, on the topic of fearing God. Sorry, I should be a bit more precise. Um, the fear of God. What is it to, 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 fear, to fear God? Um, and the Bible speaks a great, a great deal about, about the fear of God. Actually, quite surprisingly so. You, you, won't, you don't actually, um, you, I don't think you really kind of comprehend or realize it. You know, it doesn't really jump off the page of scriptures how much the Bible speaks about fear. I was telling my wife when we was driving down, um, I could have started preparing for this sermon months ago. I won't tell you when I actually did start preparing. That's not the point. But if I started months ago, I don't think I would have still been able to like exhaust all of why I actually wanted to, to, um, to, to prepare for you today. Because the Bible just speaks about it in such an abundant way. Um, it's throughout the scriptures. It's, it's a major theme. Um, it's all over the Bible, essentially. The fear of God, the fear of God, the fear of God. I'll just run through a, a few passages. Um, Psalm, 11, Psalm 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge again. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Ecclesiastes 12.13, the end of the matter, all, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Proverbs again, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Proverbs 28, blessed is the man who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart, will fall into calamity. Last one, Psalm 86. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. And that's, that's what, six? And there's hundreds. There's hundreds more verses. All about fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord for wisdom. Fear the Lord, your days will be prolonged, etc., etc. But even though the Bible speaks so much about fear, why is it it's not something that we often talk about? You know, why is it something that maybe our, our knowledge might be I mean, we can have different um, appreciations of, of, the, of the, the, the theme, the doctrine of, of the fear of God. But why is it not something that's quite prevalent? It's so prevalent in the scriptures, it doesn't really match how much we talk about it in our day-to-day -day services, in our day-to-day -day life. It's not really something we reflect on. It's not really something we, we, we say openly. Um, we might say, oh, the love of God, I'm grateful for the love of God, I'm grateful for the provision of God. Um, you know, God is holy, God is triune. But we never really say, I fear God. You know, it's not really something that jumps off our lips, even though we, we, we hold it to be true. But it's not really something that is said. And what I want us to do today, this evening, 
is really try and bring that back home and you know have us be in that pattern, be in that in that in that way of living that says yes, my life is really about fearing God. Um, and so by doing that, I want us to kind of understand what what does it actually mean to fear God. Um, you can see how, how much is is is, is littered all over the pages of Scripture. What does it mean, fear God, fear God? What what does it mean? How do we actually practically live that out? Secondly, then I want us to know how we grow in the fear of God. It's something that if we should be uh, so aware of, then usually it's, it's something that something we should be so aware of, then maybe it's something that we should be growing in, um, growing in our holiness, growing in our love one for another, then uh, also growing in our fear of God. How do we do that? What kind of steps can we take to grow in the fear of God? And then lastly, if we do grow in our fear of God, what are the benefits that we get from that? What are the benefits that we can enjoy living a life in which we fear God? So firstly, what is the fear of God? And to, in, in, order to, uh, in order to develop um, a fear of the Lord, we have to actually understand and recognize who God actually is. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't fear God, a God that we do not know. In order to fear God, we must know who he is. We must come to a recognition of who he is. We must be able to kind of understand his power, his might, his beauty, the brilliance of the Lord God Almighty. We need to be able to somewhat comprehend and, and, and stretch our imaginations as much as we can to kind of comprehend that in order to then respond in that, in that way of fear. Those who fear the Lord have a continual awareness of him. They're constantly aware of who God is, of exactly who God is. And that creates in them a deep reverence of him. And so there are different aspects, before I, before I go any further, there are different aspects of fear. Fear is obviously a common word. It's not, I, I don't need to break it down. I don't need to give you the etymology of the word fear. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a common word. But the word fear is used in different ways in the scriptures. Um, we can see and understand fear um, as a way of being afraid, of course, of, of, of being frightened. And that maybe kind of speaks more truly of the unbeliever's relationship with God, where they should be in a relationship of fear, where they should be in a relationship of being afraid. And why is that? Because God's holiness and God's, God's, God's justice and God's righteousness, again, we're going back to having to understand who God is before we can actually have a relationship of fear. Understanding something of God's righteousness and holiness means that the only relationship that the unbeliever can have is one of fear. Because in their lives, God's holiness and God's righteousness and God's perfect standard is reflected in wrath. Is reflected in wrath. The fear of God for the unbeliever is to fear his eternal wrath and eternal damnation. Because the God that they know does not enjoy the world. The God that they should know does not delight in the way of the wicked. Of the wicked. Luke 12 says, I warn you, to whom, I warn you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you to fear him. Those are the words of Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be, don't be so worried about the ones who can just kill the mortal body. Don't be so worried about the ones who will just make your, your life a bit hard, make your life a bit tough. Fear the one who can kill your mortal body and then once you've been killed, can actually cast you into hell for eternity. That's God. And that's the relationship that the unbeliever has with God. God is angry with the wicked every day. And if the God of the Bible that you read is not an angry God, then you're reading the wrong Bible. The God of the Bible does not delight in the way of the wicked. The God of the Bible 
is love, yes. The God of the Bible is merciful. The God of the Bible is, is, is gracious, it's forgiving, he's all of these wonderful things. But the God of the Bible is also filled with wrath. The God of the Bible is also jealous and envious for holiness, for perfection. And any blot, any iota, any spot or wrinkle of sin must be dealt with because he's a just God. And that's the God of the Bible. And if as an unbeliever you're here tonight and you don't actually know that that should be your relationship with God, then newsflash, you've heard it here first. Your relationship with God as an unbeliever should be one of fear because if you're still living in sin, there is wrath that abides over your head. There is wrath that abides over your head. And for the believer, that's something for you to comprehend. I was once living a life of fear because I didn't have my sins forgiven. But now that Jesus Christ has saved me, now that I have salvation, you start to realize that, yes, my fear has gone because I've been saved from, I've been saved, my sins have been forgiven, I've been saved from hell, I've been saved from the, the, the slavish way of sin, a life that I had towards sin, but I've also been saved from the wrath of God. Fear in that sense has gone. Fear in that sense has, has disappeared. But there's a second aspect of, of which the Bible speaks about fear. So there's the fear of fearing an angry, wrathful God who does not delight in sin. But there's also a fear where we speak of reverence, where we speak of being in awe, where we speak of uh, appreciating. The, 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 a passage of scripture says, therefore let us be grateful, Hebrews, let us, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. There is that relationship of being in awe, of understanding the splendor and the majesty of God. Jesus Christ himself, when he was teaching us how to pray when he was here on earth, he taught, he taught us how to pray by saying, hallowed be thy name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And in that hallowing of God's name, it really means, yes, hallowed be thy name. There is a respect, there is an honor that is due to you. When we say, hallowed be thy name, we're returning to God that reverence, that respect, that high esteem. We're saying in our hearts, we value you, O God. In my heart, there is a high estimation of you. In my heart, there is an estimation of you that puts you in a completely different category to anything that I know in this life. God is not just merely a better version of us. He's not just a, a more patient person or a, a more powerful person than we are. He's completely otherly. There is a, there is a line of theology called the, the otherliness of God. God is a completely different being. And because of that, we esteem him the praise that is due. We esteem him the recognition that is due. That's why, of course, because we find him so esteemed, we, 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 we revere the name of God so much, is why we don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Because the name of God is precious. The name of God is something that we revere. The name of God is something that we, 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 we find valuable. Infinitely separate from us in his beauty, in his splendor, in his holiness, in his justice, in his righteousness, in every attribute that God has, in every way that we can communicate with him. You know, we, we can be patient sometimes, God is patient. We can be loving sometimes, God is loving. There is a completely different otherliness in the way that God is love in comparison to how we experience and know love. And so we esteem him for that. And living in that way, it guards against uh, being superficial. It guards against being careless. 
in our, in our service of God. When you begin to esteem God in his right and proper sense, you can't just come to God willy-nilly. You can't just come to God however you please. You can't just serve God on your own terms. You realize that this is, this, God is one who I must be careful before, so to speak. And that's kind of when you start to understand, okay, this is what it means to fear God. I revere him. I respect him. I trust him. Just as a side note, just as a side note, I don't want to spend too much on this point. The right and proper estimation of God. So when we see God in his right and proper view, when we use that particular lens, esteeming God correctly also has the benefit of making ourselves esteem. Well, we esteem ourselves in our right and proper sense. We no longer have these sort of bloviated opinions about ourselves. We no longer have this sort of exaggerated, uh, 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 over-the-top, um, false understanding of ourselves. The, only, the way to understand ourselves properly is to look at ourselves in light of who God is. We understand God, we understand ourselves. And it stops you from just doing a whole heap of things. It stops you from just living a life where you think you can be the captain or the master of your own ship because you know that God is the one who does that. It stops you from trying to forge a way of salvation for yourself. It stops you from trying to uh, do what is pleasing before God's eyes and try to win your own salvation because you realize that it's God who does that. I, I serve a God who is utterly. I serve a God who has all power. I serve a God who is all loving. So if I want to know anything about love, I'm not going to find it for myself. I'm not going to find it from what songs have to say. I'm not going to find it from what uh, uh, media or Hollywood has to say. I'll go to God. I'll give him that esteem. I'll revere the one who is love. And I'll come to him and I'll learn from him. And I'll draw from him. And we only do that because we esteem God. A right view of God, and you have the same response as Isaiah. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Everything good is outside of me and in, and in, uh, in, in God. So point two, if that's what the fear of God means, to have that, to have that reverence of God, to have that uh, right estimation of him, uh, to see him in his proper view, to, have that, uh, to understand his majesty, etc., etc. So how do we grow in this fear and in this reverence of God? How do we grow in this? And I've got two points, uh, two, points two, two, two ways to encourage us in how we can grow in our fear of God. The first is to grow in your knowledge of God. If you want to grow in your fear of God, you need to grow in your knowledge, in your understanding of who God is. You need to grow in your understanding of who God is. The more I know about God as a renewed heart, the more I'm going to love him and revere him. The more, the more you understand who God is, the more you understand what God does, the more you spend time in his scriptures understanding his ways and understanding his will and understanding his, uh, his, 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 uh, his character, his attributes, the more you'll begin to esteem him highly. You have to hear, for example, you know, tell me someone that you would, uh, a celebrity that you would want to have dinner with, um, you know, and, you know, the reason why is because you're really trying to see the kind of person that they kind of really want to uh, uh, understand. So for me, for example, it will be, uh, uh, for, let's say, Steph Curry, one of my, my, my favorite basketball player. I would love to have dinner with Steph Curry. I would just love to understand, you know, more about him, his family, his, his, his work, how he works, how he's become so good at basketball, the best in the NBA at the moment, how he's, uh, the, the, the challenges that he went through. I just want to unpick. I just want to, like, you know, get into his brain. I just want to know him better. And once I finish that conversation, once I finish that, that opportunity with him, three, four hours of, of chatting, so to speak, I'm going to come out with what? A higher estimation of him. I might have gone into that dinner with, I already, I already really esteemed this guy highly. 
But having had the opportunity to really have that intricate understanding, have that personal conversation with him, and spend time in detail going back and forth, I'm not going to come out of a lower estimation of him unless he just says something that's completely outlandish. We're not expecting that. But just having that understanding, that deeper understanding of the person, I come out of a higher estimation. It's the same thing with God. But imagine going to one who is infinite, who is infinite in love, and you're trying to understand the intricacies of his love, who is infinite in wisdom, who is infinite in power. You're going, you can spend eternity, all of eternity trying to know God. You will grow in your reverence. You will grow in your estimation. You will grow in your fear of God. You will grow in your understanding. You do that by growing in your understanding of God and really getting to understand him for who he is. And secondly, how can we grow in our fear of God? By having a God-centered life. I mentioned this again. I mentioned, it, I mentioned a point at this this morning, and I was really careful not to try and take from points in my evening sermon, of course. But one way that we grow in our fear of God is by living a way that is God-centric. Is by living in a way that puts God at the center of everything that we do. You keep God at the center of everything you do, and you'll find yourself growing in the fear of God. You'll find yourself growing in your estimation and your reverence of God. You keep God out of the equation. You make all these earthly decisions. You make all of these moves. You make all of these actions without factoring in what God would actually want me to do. And then all of a sudden, you find that you don't actually really fear or revere God anymore. You make, you make so many decisions, you make so many inroads, and you make so many, chat, uh, so, so, so many options for yourself and actions. Before you know it, you've got used to that habit of just doing things on your own volition. You've got used to just doing things according to how it seems right to you. You don't really care about God anymore. It's a, it's a nasty habit to get into. If you keep God at the center of everything that you do, you, revere, you do that because you revere him. If you keep God at the center of everything you do, you will grow in your estimation of him. You will grow in your, in your, in your reverence for him. You need a radical God-centeredness uh, that shapes everything in your life around God, that shapes everything around God, in your li- around your life, uh, around God. It gives you, it, it, living that, that, that God-centric way makes you cautious. It makes you uh, vigilant. It makes you more discerning. Why? Because you're trying to really understand, is what I'm about to plunge myself into pleasing to God? And the more you do that, the more you ask yourself those questions, the more you actually take the time to assess, to discern, you grow in your reverence for God. You don't really, t- you don't really take other factors into consideration as much as you take the presence of God. Other people's opinions now become irrelevant. Does, is God pleased with it? I'm doing it. Other priorities now become irrelevant. If there's a clash of priorities, if there's a clash of, 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 of motives, I... I need to do what God wants me to do because I revere him. I trust him. Society has its trends. Society has its movements. Society has its, 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 its groups, its powers. But I let them gather in their thousands. If it's not something that God wants me to do, I can't do it. Because you revere him. You honor him. And that's what it's like living in the fear of God. And that's how we can grow in our, in our, in our fear of God. And what I want to, spend more, what I want to do now is spend some, some time now on, our, on my third point about what, what are some of the benefits of walking in the fear of God? What are some of the benefits? What are some of the things that we can, if we walk in this way where we're fearing God, where we're revering God in our, in our day-to-day lives, what are some of the things that we can see in our lives that will really benefit, that will really add substance um, to, 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 to our souls and to, to our faith? The first, and we see it in, in many of the passages that we read, is that we will grow in wisdom. 
So that's the first benefit. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And he said to the man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Everybody to a degree thinks they're smart. Everybody to a degree thinks they know X amount or they know everything. You can have 20, 30 degrees in 30 different subjects. You can be the leading authority in a given uh, uh, subject of life. You know, everyone flocks to you as the, the, the knowledge of inspiration. If there's new research, it's coming from you. If there's a new train of, it's coming from you. you. You can be like the go-to guy when it comes to whatever field that you might be in. You might be the worldwide, uh, you know, authority on that particular subject. You might speak 30, 40 different languages. But if you don't have the right fear of God, then you've, you, all your knowledge is irrelevant. You might be knowledgeable about so many things, but to, be, but to have no knowledge of God and to have no fear of God, the one true thing that, sent, that, is, 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 is that matters in your life, you have no wisdom at all. You can't get wisdom in schools. You can't get wisdom in your books. You can't get wisdom online. You, you, you don't find wisdom in seminars, in, in, in TED Talks. You don't find wisdom there. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. What is wisdom? You know, what is wisdom and how do we know we're on the right track? But wisdom is knowledge applied, isn't it? Wisdom is knowledge applied. And so our knowledge of the holy God, our fear, our reverence of the holy God is what begins to produce wisdom in our lives. That's, that's, that, that's how the fear of God begins to benefit your life in a positive way. It makes you wise. Fearing God makes you wise. All of a sudden, you know what to do and not what to do. You know how to do, you know how to do things. You know when to do things and not when to do things. You know what to believe and not what to believe. You have the right spirit of discernment. You know how to do things that will benefit the lives of others. You know how to do things that will benefit your soul. You know how to do things that will enrich your community of God's people. You're wise. You know how to discern rightfully. You know how to discern in a righteous manner. In a way where you can look at a situation and be like, you know what? This part of this particular, con uh, this, this particular issue is not going to be glorifying to God. Let's disband it. You're wise. You don't walk around just guessing. You don't walk around just doing things of your own volition. You're wise because you fear God. A wise person is someone in whom God is dwelling, empowering them to live the life that God intended them for them to live in the first place. The wise person is one who God indwells and allows them to live the life that God indwells uh, a purpose for them in the first place. Some of the most valuable and most precious and most sweetest and most should be the most protected people in your lives are not your celebrities, are not your 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 your, your pools of knowledge out there, whoever they might be, are not your favorite fans, are not your favorite musicians, your sports persons. The people that you should hold really dear to your heart are your spiritual mothers and your spiritual fathers, your spiritual grandmothers and your spiritual uh, uh, grandfathers. You know, the people that we pray for re re regularly, our elderly group, those people are some of the most precious people that you should keep close to you. Why? Because they've lived 
lives in the fear of God. They live 10s, 20s, 30 years, 40 years as a child of God, fearing God, keeping him at the center of everything that they do. And what has been produced at the end of their lives? Wisdom. They have, such, so they have so much wisdom to give. Wisdom that will, they will give to you and you finish that conversation with them and you think, and I thought I knew what I was talking about. And I thought I knew, and I thought I knew God. They know God in a personal way. They know God in an in a experiential way. They've experienced God in the gutters. They've experienced God in the tough times. They've experienced God where, 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 where situations just seem so confusing. They've experienced God where they didn't know where they were going to get their next paycheck from or where they were going to get the next provision from. But they experienced God in that situation. They have wisdom to share in abundance. They're people that you should hold so valuable to you, full of wisdom. But that's because they've had years of walking in the fear of God. Walk in the fear of God for it's the beginning of, it's the beginning of knowledge. Secondly, what, kind of, what, what second benefit can we derive from, from fearing God? The fear of God keeps you from evil. And by no, way, by no means, by the way, so I should have said this at the beginning, by no means, I've only got four points, four, four, four benefits as to the, 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 um, the, the benefit of walking in, in, in the fear of God. That's not even no, nowhere near exhaustive, like I was saying at the beginning. I could have easily come to you with a list of 20, and we will still be going. There are so many benefits to the soul of the man and the woman that walks in the fear of God. But yes, I'll give you my, 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 miserly, my miserly four, and of course, hope, hope the Lord will bless it. But the fear of the Lord keeps you from evil. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate, says the Lord. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The fear of the Lord makes you turn away from evil. The fear of the Lord all of a sudden gives you a different relationship with sin. You no longer just live in a way where sin says jump and you're saying how high. No, you hate sin now. You hate sin. Like I was saying at the beginning, you have that same aversion of sin that God has, that same hatred for sin that God has. Your relationship with sin changes. Now you have a desire for righteousness. You have a desire for right living, for living in a way that pleases God. Growth in your fear of God will help you in combating sin. If you're, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a Christian here today and you're thinking, why is it that I'm always battling this sin? Why is it that I'm always feeling like this sin has got me? Why is it that I feel like I can't, I can't quite conquer this sin? I have this besetting sin which is constantly getting at me. It's like my, it's my Achilles heel or, or whatever you want to describe it as. One diagnosis or one thing that you could maybe focus on is do I fear God? Do I fear God? Because the right, the right estimation of God will help you in your combating of sin, will help you in your in your, in your uh, dealing with sin. You know, you might have, you might have like, you know, a, a friendship circle where you, you kind of share your weaknesses, you share your faults, you share your, your insecurities, and you try and keep each other accountable. Listen, we've been, have you been reading your scriptures this week? Have you been staying off certain websites? Have you been, you know, X, Y, Z, all that kind of stuff. Those things are good. Employ them. They, they help. You know, they, 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 they are good tools to have in your, in, in your, in your bag, as it were. But, you know, those things have their, 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 their flaws. You just basically don't speak to your friends, right? Someone keeping you accountable, if you don't open up to them, there's not really much that they can do. If you don't, if you don't tell them the truth, if you say, yeah, I've read my scriptures every day this week, but you haven't spent a second in there, well, yeah, there's not really much that they can do. They're not God. They don't know. They don't actually know what you did. And you, could be a, you can speak Christianese like, you know, like it's English. You can really kind of twang your way around those kind of accountability uh, tools if you really wanted to. But you can't do that if you fear God. You can't do that before God. 
the right estimation of God will make you realize that I'm living before a God who sees everything. I'm living before a God who knows everything, who sees what I does, who knows what I think, who knows how I feel. The right estimation of God will make you fight sin. It will help you in fighting sin. If you feel like you need to, to get that motivation, if you feel like you need to get that encouragement, understand how you need to fear God and it will help you in combating sin. You're no longer on this path of just sinning and ultimately wrecking your life. The benefit of, of fearing God is that he helps you from, 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 from that pathway of sin that will ultimately destroy your life now, but ultimately destroy your soul for eternity. He takes you off of that path. Thirdly, what, what benefit do we derive from walking in the fear of God? In the fear of God, there is confidence. In the fear of God, there is confidence. God within you giving you an assurance and confidence that you will be able to get through whatever situation you're going through right now. Whatever situation you're going through. You're no longer facing situations by yourself. If you're walking fearing God, you realize that there is a presence of God that I have that gives me confidence. Psalm 145 says, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He, he fulfills. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and he saves them. You have that confidence. You walk before God. You know that you have a God who has listening ears for your situation. You fear God and you know you have a God who has eyes that are literally on your situation. He watches your going out and your coming in. He doesn't let needless tears and, and needless heartbreaks just fall upon you for no reason. He watches everything. You serve a God who watches, who knows, who cares. He loves you. He cares for you. You get that understanding by fearing him. You get that understanding by getting the right estimation of him. He will give you the desires of your heart. He will provide for you exceedingly, abundantly, above more than you can ever ask or think. If many times you find yourself perhaps desiring things that God is not giving you, if many times you find yourself desiring things that, you know, are a bit questionable, then maybe it's time to see if you're actually walking in a way that shows you fear God. It's time to start checking, do I actually fear God? Do I actually walk in a way in, in, in a manner in which I revere him? Fourthly and lastly, uh, and I'll bring on my, my sermon to a close, the fear of God prolongs your days. The fear of God prolongs your days, our, our last benefit for this evening. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be cut short. So am I saying that everyone here now who fears God, you know, I'll see you on your 100th birthday? I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that. I don't know how long you're going to live. That, that's not, that's not the, the purpose of, this particular, that particular, of that particular verse. But what it does mean, what it does mean is, if you bring me two people, one person only lives to 40 and another person lives to 100, if the person that lives to 40 happened to be walking in the fear of God, they have lived longer, they have lived with more quality, they have lived a better life than the person, than 10 people that live to 100. Because it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not the, 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 life is not in the number of years, it's in, it's, it's in, the, it's in, it's, it's in the quality, it's in what you actually do with your life. I wish everybody here long life and prosperity. But I don't wish anybody long life and prosperity if you're going to fill, it, fill, it, fill those years with just wasting time. Nobody should have long life and prosperity if they don't walk before the fear of God, if they don't walk before God, if they don't fear God. Because that's the only way you get quality in your life. That's the only way you get true living. There is no true living outside of God. There is no true satisfaction outside of God. You may have it all. You may have... Riches untold. You might have generational wealth. Your grandkids, grandkids, grandkids to the 10th generation are sorted because of you. 
But yourself and all of the people under you, if they do not fear God, have nothing. If they do not fear God, have nothing. There's no difference in giving a toddler 1,000 pounds, a three-year-old 1,000 pounds. Yeah, oh, yeah, it looks like they've got a lot, but if you don't have to use it, if you don't have the right estimation of what you're using, all of a sudden that 1,000 pounds becomes accessories for their dollies and some of it gets ripped up and all that kind of stuff. They're not using it. Fear God and your life will be prolonged. Fear God and you start to live right. Fear God and you start to live with quality. Fear God and you get the right understanding of how to use life. All of a sudden, like I said, you're using, God is using you to actually fulfill the purpose of which he brought you here for. Amen. Amen.